Ladies and gentlemen, the Football Scoop podcast is back. Week one is in the books. Duke did Clemson. Like, Duke did Clemson. It was fantastic. Golly, it was fun to watch college football. Florida State did LSU. Oh, man, the locker room scene after. Mike Norvell, after that game, was amazing. Uh, Norvell's a a legit ball coach, and uh, he's fun to watch. Great dude. Gentlemen, I am Scott Russell, got college football experts, Zach Barnett, John Bryce, Doug Samuels. Great to see you guys. I'm going to go around the horn. We'll start with Zach and work our way clockwise. I want to hear quick thoughts. Week one, what did you love to see? Um, I mean, we we got to it, – it's been beaten over the head at this point. It's going to be continued to be the dominant storyline in the sport. But my, my top headline was just how competent and well-coached Colorado looked. And, I, I mean, I don't think this team is going to go off and win the Pac-12 or anything like that. But they are so much better than I thought they were going to be. And they are going to be the – the storyline of the sport until they're not. Uh, that's coming a long way from uh, from one win a week ago, or yeah, a week ago <laughs> in the bold prediction. So Zach's sipping on the Kool Aid. I think it's right there by him. It's on ice. Um, <laughs> for for me, it's the uh, it's the chaos, Colorado included, but um, FSU just the way it smacked down LSU, and certainly Duke, <clears throat> what it did to Clemson Monday night. I think that. Um, it's going to fairly cause more questions than just one bad game about Clemson. Clemson's now lost three out of four and four out of seven, I believe, dating back to last season. Uh, that's a stretch that that program has not had in over a decade. So um, to me, those are some of the elements that stick out from the weekend. But but the chaos is back, and that's always a good thing. Always a good so we, thing. We've been uh, talking – for the past year or two about maybe the last three or four, honestly, about transfer portal and NIL money coming into play and how I personally don't think that's great for the overall benefit of the game. Um, what I think you're seeing is the good teams are getting better, which is good for the game at, at the high level. It's going to be very well coached, a lot of very good athletes. The top 15 are going to just ball and it's going to be beautiful to watch. That's great. It's it's not good for the game, the lower 65, you know, the quote group of five, so to speak. Uh, those teams are getting decimated and you see some teams at that level that just aren't aren't there. And I, that, that concerns me a little bit for the overall health of the game. Uh, FCS ball continues to be phenomenal. I don't know if you guys got to catch any FCS over the weekend, um, including a couple stunners, but FCS stuff is fantastic. All right, Zach, give me two or three teams you want to talk about after week one. Uh, can we talk about LSU? Whew, okay. Um, <laughs> all right. So, LSU's uh, secondary was going to be a weakness, and it was exposed as a weakness. I was stunned by how the LSU coaching staff opted to use Harold Perkins. I thought they effectively took him out of the game. I didn't understand why you wouldn't just have him go go destroy the ball possessor. Um, I really thought that was unusual. I thought uh, – I've told this story a hundred times. The difference between LSU and Alabama is – Alabama's offensive line looks like Adonis. LSU's offensive line looks like a bigger version of me. LSU's offensive line just just can't move the entire defensive line five yards down the field when they need to. Uh, they got stuffed a couple of times early. 
And, you know, they got skill players. They got plenty of skill players. The offensive line struggled. Uh, D-backs got exposed. And the scheme on defense, I was a head scratcher. Special teams, once again, weren't very good. Um, the biggest change you're going to see in college football, typically, right, is week one to week two. Um, you figure out, okay, that's what we didn't get right in August. Now let's go get it right heading to week two. And LSU has Grambling, uh, an in-state in team uh, who's not very good right now. So LSU is going to get some things right against Grambling and get towards the SEC. Uh, I think they have Mississippi State and Arkansas thereafter. Uh, I suspect LSU is in it at the very end. Um, you know, all you got to do, <laughs> all you got to do is win the West <laughs> to have a shot at the SEC championship. Obviously, gets you to the playoffs. I still think LSU's everything's in front of them. They just got to pull it together and, and win, make some changes, and and not get exposed in the defensive backfield. And so you think that the you know you you use that word exposed. I mean that that when you when you get exposed to me that means that that's something that's really hard to fix. Like you have major issues there that probably aren't the, the, the saviors probably aren't sitting there on your bench. Well, so I I don't think you're right in that case. I think there's two guys that are quote saviors and they're called pass rushers. Mason Smith didn't play in the game. He is an unbelievably athletic big man. He's going to come in and wreak havoc. Uh, they were talking about Mecky Wingo, played very well, big, strong guy. Mason Smith is a difference maker. So you put him on one side and you put Harold Perkins on the other side, and you say, hey, instead of that quarterback having three and a half seconds, we're going to give him half of one second to throw the ball, to get out of there, to make get off his first read, and that changes everything. That helps <laughs> hide a little bit of your deficiencies in the back end. So I think that is very changeable. I would also point out that LSU did not have – John Emery, which is maybe the most defining characteristic of his career, not being able to play a season opener. But then they also did not have Logan Diggs, the transfer running back from Notre Dame. Both of those guys are extremely good college football running backs. With LSU having neither of those uh, against the Seminoles, I also thought that uh, that made the offensive line's job that much harder. Agreed. I'm not trying to make an excuse for LSU, but uh, I mean the the reason coaches like to schedule those those cupcake games, you know, an FCS or guarantee games, those that first week, is you're still trying to figure out who you are. You can't you can't figure out who you are through camp when you're facing, you know, the same scheme or the same players. Uh, so so to to play on a, a national stage like LSU and Florida State was on, they're 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 both still trying to figure themselves out. I think Florida State knows a little bit more who they are. Than LSU does at this point, but uh, that's that's one of the luxuries you don't get in one of those primetime games. If you, you you don't get any grace trying to figure out who you are from, from a coaching perspective. LSU lost to Florida State last year in game one as well. Came back beat Alabama at home. Like we got a long way to go, guys. Um, they, we'll they did. Yeah, but that, they also lost last four year. other games last year, or, or ended up losing four total games. So the the. Um, the measurement of progress was reset this year because of last year's success. So um, you're not going to define your season this year by beating Alabama if you lose a bunch of other games when you entered the season preseason number five. And they were—I mean, they got it was thirty-one nothing in the second half at one point. Like this, this was a different loss than than last year. Mm-hmm. A lot of football to be played, boys. It's zero and one. Let's go one and zero this week. All right, what are the, what other teams we want to talk about? Uh, we got to talk I, about Clemson. Yeah, go ahead, Zach. I said we got to talk about Clemson. I mean, 
coming out of last year, my thought was this is just, just going to be a top 15 program moving forward, not a top five program. It's hard to get to the top. It's even harder to stay at the top. Then you go hire uh, Garrett Riley. That seemed to change the paradigm around the, the conversation around that program. And then they uh, went out and just could not get out of their own way. Uh, I didn't really see any difference makers on any side of either side of the ball for Clemson last night. Like this looks like an eight and four team to me. Schematically, I didn't feel like I saw much of uh, Garrett Riley's offense. No. I mean, I really it seemed like the Clemson offense. It looked like the old Clemson offense. Uh, I was kind of I was like, what did you see? Uh, I mean, I, I caught a little bit of the game last night after practice. We pushed practice back. But uh, I, I, w- I would agree. It seemed like Garrett Riley wasn't the um, – it, it I don't want to say handcuffed. I think handcuffed is a strong word. But I think he was kind of steered. And it seemed like he was steered into, hey, this is the Clemson offense. This is a year off. Um, so he didn't have the same same DNA that he did uh, at TCU. And granted, it's different players now. You, you don't hire a guy like that to to tell him what he should run. You you you, you give him the keys of the Ferrari and, and turn him loose. I agree. I thought uh, Clemson's offensive line struggled all night with Duke's defensive line. That's not a great statement. I'll tell you, throughout the game and especially in the fourth quarter, Duke's guys looked right. I mean, they're bringing in. I mean. Uh, the announcers brought it up late in the game, but throughout the game, they're shuttling in new defensive linemen just constantly. And you're like, that guy looks better than that guy. And then this guy, and then these guys look amazing. And they just looked right. Dave Feely is their strength coach. Guy's been around the block. He's a stud. Uh, I, I got some, I got some texts this morning about Duke's offseason program. It was one for the books. Uh, they, they, they changed some things there. Duke looks Absolutely legit. Yeah, and and they were the fresher team. Um, they certainly had uh, more juice and energy at the end of the game. And I would note this about Clemson from a big picture standpoint, kind of what we've all already alluded to. They've got a couple of um, money games coming up the next two weeks, and then the ACC has its most important game of the year, September twenty third, when Florida State goes to Clemson. Clemson could be eliminated from so many different things before September flips to October. Uh, if they lose that game at home to Florida State, Dabo's got some uh, some changes. He's got first time I, I saw the I saw the stat. It's the first time Clemson Clemson had been one hundred and eight and zero when they rushed for two hundred and threw for two hundred, um, and they did both of those last night, and um, they outgained Duke by a hundred yards and still lost that game. They lost that game going away because of their own mistakes. Agreed. Their own mistakes. It wasn't like their defense was terrible. Their defense wasn't great, but their defense wasn't bad. It was Clemson's mistakes, and maybe Duke put them into those. But the fact that in the second half they didn't score and they didn't punt was fascinating to me. It's just it's mistakes. Clemson. I love the last half. time that happened in a, in a major college football game. A team gets shut out and does not punt in a in a half. That's amazing. Clemson in the second half and Florida, or excuse me, and LSU in the second half looked remarkably similar in both their contests. Just a failure to execute and deliver. Scott, LSU was it was 31 to 7 in the second half and the 7 was a, a garbage time touchdown. They got boat raced. Oh, I know, but Clemson didn't. Clemson was Clemson drove the ball to the 2 to the 1 and then they got backed up. They backed themselves off and they fumbled they and then they missed the kick and the, like 
Clemson, Clemson was better than LSU in the second half. LSU just kind of threw it, threw it away. I thought. Okay. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I yeah, thought, I thought Clemson, Clemson didn't give up. No, they just but, weren't able to get look, things done. Neither one scored and neither one executed to speak of in the second half. Okay. All right. Other teams. Quick thoughts. Anything? How about how about Oklahoma boat racing Arkansas State? Look like look like Butch Jones kind of broke down on the sideline there and had to get picked up by a, a player. Uh, and then and then as post game press conference said it's the the most Im- improved team he's ever seen. Really, you know, it's it's not me. It was them. Uh, they they were just so drastically improved, and he he felt like the team speed from last year to this year was completely different. But I mean they. Uh, Oklahoma treated treated Arkansas State like they were an FCS team, winning seventy three nothing. I think the only larger margin of victory was uh, Oregon and Portland State, eighty one to seven. So that that's some some power five group on five crime right there. I did not see what you described there because we just kind of glossed over. It. Tell me what happened. You said Butch like he broke down the field in a student idea. Yeah, what I, I, I think I think I. I Game was out of hand, but he was on a knee on the sideline, tears in his eyes. Player comes up and taps him on the shoulder, like, "Hey, it's going to be all right, coach. It's going to be all right." And Bush kind of begrudgingly gets up, and like it's the last place he wanted to be. It was, it was, it was not a good look. No, it was, it, it was um, not a good look. It was um, a sad look. It was, uh, I mean, like every iteration of, of the word "sad." It was a sad look, and I think it was. Um, a coach realizing where he was just a few years ago and now how this make or break season is starting for him. This is that's more than a 73 to nothing loss for Butch Jones. Uh, Oklahoma passing the ball in that game was 30 of 33 for 422 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, Both quarterbacks, Dylan Gabriel, Jackson Arnold had QBRs above 95. I've never seen a team throw the ball that many times as efficiently as they did. I mean, Arkansas State, definition of overwhelmed. Now, if you allow me to be a little bit of a hater for a team that won 73 to nothing, uh, Oklahoma did not really – I mean, running the ball, they, they did not blow Arkansas State off the ball. I mean, they're leading running back Javante Barnes, 49 yards and 13 carries long run of 16. You just, you just said they're 30-33. Why do you need to run the ball if you're passing at a 90% clip? That, no, I mean, you don't need to, but it's not like they were just – gashing holes open when they did run the ball. No, but they they were throwing the ball super effectively. They didn't need to run the ball. Yeah. Um, I'm fired up for a number of games this weekend. And even before we get to Saturday, I find the Illinois at Kansas matchup Friday night incredibly intriguing. And Kansas is debuting these ridiculously fire all black uniforms with a throwback Jayhawk logo from like 1945 or something. Um, what what Lance and that crew have done uh, in Lawrence is phenomenal. And I'm really, truly excited to see that atmosphere on Friday night, um, to see that game on TV after what they did last year and the momentum they created. And then that spins us into Saturday. Um, and we have a splendidly good Saturday slate of games, especially for it to be so early in the season, and obviously Texas-Bama is the headliner, um, but you've got uh, Utah at Baylor at noon on Saturday, which is a sneaky, good, and critically important game for Baylor, and then uh, you've got some other good matchups, Texas A&M at Miami. How much are those two programs improved? So uh, I'm really fired up for this Saturday. 
Baylor's quarterback being out kind of just like kind of takes some of that excitement out of that one. But Baylor will still fight. I think I think I haven't. I mean, I don't think Blake Shapin has been all that impressive going back to to last year. I think that I think there's a decent chance that Sawyer Robertson, the, the Mississippi State transfer, could get that job and, and keep it. Hmm. Thought Shapin's kind of a winner. Okay. How about Notre Dame, NC State this weekend upcoming? Yeah, I, you know I think Notre Dame is lucky that ABC. Uh, put that game in the noon slot um, because Carter Finley Stadium is a, a tough spot to play um, for a lot of ACC teams as well. Um, and a night game, I think, would have uh, ratcheted up the stakes a little bit for Notre Dame. Notre Dame people are kind of viewing it as the true beginning of their season after the Navy game in Dublin and then the uh, cakewalk against Tennessee State over the weekend. So it, it will be the first true litmus test. I know I watched NC State UConn pretty closely last Thursday night um, and was not overly impressed with NC State's athleticism. They're always a very tough team. They always play very smart football, um, but they did not blow me away uh, with their skill and athleticism. So as Doug has noted more than once correctly, most improvement is week one to week two. Uh, We'll learn a lot more about NC State and Notre Dame on Saturday. Tell you guys, I thought Kansas State uh, looked very, very good this week. They've got Troy coming to town. Two just uh, two football teams that embody their head coaches, hardworking, uh, lunch pail type guys, uh, salt of the earth, great humans. K State's really good. If Troy shocks them, if Troy's fighting them, slugging them out, that tells me Troy's really good. We'll see. Any thoughts on that one? Uh. Pr- I probably one of the few matchups between defending conference champions we're going to get all season long. Um, K State lost to Tulane last year, so I'm sure that's going to be uh, brought up that by Chris Kleiman that we are not we're the defending Big Twelve champions. Yada yada yada. We are not above uh, losing to Troy in any way, shape, or form, and we need to bring our our best effort to win this game. You guys know I love uh, South Alabama head coach Kane Womack, phenomenal guy. Uh, I thought their efforts were a little misguided trying to claim Mardi Gras, Tulane appropriately, Nola representing here, appropriately put him in their place because of that miscue. Uh, so Tulane looked pretty good against South Alabama. Tulane's got Ole Miss coming to New Orleans. Any thoughts on that one, gentlemen? Yeah, I think that's a, a sneaky, very compelling matchup. Um, I guess Michael Pratt maybe got banged, banged up a bit in the game against South Alabama. So monitoring his situation at quarterback for Tulane will be um, the key to that game, in my opinion, because Pratt's, Pratt's really good. Um, and I don't think uh, even with the home field advantage or home field crowd or whatever, I don't think uh, Tulane can, can beat Ole Miss if Pratt – for some reason, can't play. This was the this was the hardest game. I, you know, we've turned in rough, our rough draft of our picks already for me. Uh, I just went through. This is the hardest game of the weekend to pick. I, I went back and forth a lot. Uh, ended up going with Tulane, but I, I may change that once or twice before we get to Saturday. I didn't get to see almost any of the second half of Texas Rice. Uh, I thought Texas was going to come out and be a little bit stronger than they looked. I recognize they're playing Rice and they're playing Bama the next week. So as a coach, you're going there, you're like, all right, let's make sure we're good, but then let's not reveal too much perhaps. 
Uh, first half didn't inspire me much regarding Texas. Uh, Alabama looked okay. Texas, Alabama, give me some thoughts on that one. Um, from a Texas perspective, you'd like to see more progress on the interior of the offensive line than you did, and you'd like to see more progress on Quinn Ewer's deep ball than you did. Uh, Quinn was 0 for 6 throwing the ball beyond 20 yards down the line of scrimmage, uh, beyond the line of scrimmage, and the the but particularly both guards spots struggled. So you're, it's hard to have confidence going into Bryant Denny when you uh, can't protect up front, don't get much of a push, and uh, you're putting a lid on your own offensive ability by being unable to throw the ball. Having said that, defense looked fantastic. Uh, Quinn looked really good, really sharp in the RPO game. And so you have to think that they're going to uh, feature a lot of that. It's just the question is, can they, if they scheme open uh, stuff down the field, can they protect it and, and can they complete it? They're going to have to do that to beat Alabama. I think it's a coming out party for Alabama. I, I think Alabama wins by two or three touchdowns. Um, that, that, that's what I'm going to – I'm not uh, – I, I, I'm just a not – don't bet against Nick Saban. And Nick Saban's going to play his best in big games. Uh, I, I say it's a two-touchdown two game. Mark my words. Wow. Wow. Doug's wow. take was so hot. They had steam coming out of his ears. has knocked his AirPods out. That's uh... – that's one I, I won't pick it until the uh, absolute end of the deadline to get the picks into you, Scott, because I'm uh, I'm completely torn on that one. Texas was so close to winning a year ago, um, and I realized that was in Austin, um, but Alabama uh, was much more set at quarterback a year ago than this year. I did think Tommy Reese did a nice job of uh, putting Jalen Milrose in, in Milrow into position to succeed and, and really boost his confidence up against the MTSU. Um, but Alabama still, I think, has some uh, questions to address at the wide receiver position. I think Alabama uh, still doesn't really know quite what it has with Jalen Milrow uh, and Texas's ability. If, if Texas can force Milrow to try and beat it through the air, then I really like the Longhorns' chances. All right. I got three more. I'm going to ask you guys for quick, quick, quick thoughts, quick feedback only if you want to chime in. Texas A&M's at Miami. I'd like to see if if Miami has a, a uh, has a pulse as a program. Uh, they 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 won the Miami Bowl. Uh, they they won that, but let's let's see how much they've they've progressed. Home game uh, should be a, a great atmosphere there. It, you know, we're we're constantly asking, is the U back? Is the U back? Show me some life. If, if you can win, this, this is a winnable game. Uh, they got in their own way last year a lot uh, in the loss at College Station. This is a, a Tough game, but a winnable game for the for the Canes. I'm not sure who I think this game is more important for, uh, just because it's still early on for, for Mario. It's still just game two of his second year there. Jimbo Fisher is supposed to be uh, having his team in the college football playoff by now at Texas A&M. So um, Miami needs this game, but I don't uh, underestimate how much Texas A&M really needs this game. Agreed. I think Miami's going to play well. I thought they played well last week. Uh, Kirk Ferentz and the offense shocked the world with two passing touchdowns in the first half, I believe. Then they still didn't hit the mark. They got Iowa State. What's happening here, boys? It's it's hard to know what what Iowa State that program is in. I mean, it's a black box around that program right now. Iowa has traditionally handled even the best Iowa State teams. 
uh, I believe Iowa State finally got him last year. But uh, when when you had uh, it was really cooking there for the Cyclones in that 2019 2020 range. Iowa won it every single year, so I'm I'm taking Iowa again. Yeah, those rivalry games, you never really know which way the the coin's gonna fall. But I feel like uh, like you, you can't you can't bet against Kirk Ferentz in, a, in an in-state rivalry game. It seems like he you know, he takes care of business a lot more times than he doesn't. And I, I'm not gonna say the the Hawkeyes score more than 25, but I, I think they will. The magical number. They're not going to. All right, uh, Mac Brown uh, choked out Shane Beamer's team. Almost choked Shane out. App State's coming, coming to Chapel Hill. App State going to shock them, going to surprise them, or is Carolina legit? No, I was um, – no. App State had its hands full throughout with Gardner-Webb, which we know Coach Lamb has done a fabulous job with Gardner-Webb. But, I mean, this was uh, – App State had all it could do to win that game. And um, I'm, a, I'm, I'm much more of a believer in North Carolina because that was the most competent – defense I've seen out of North Carolina in quite some time to go with um, the guy who is, uh, I think, definitely right now the number two quarterback pro prospect in college behind Caleb Williams. Agree. I'd like to see uh, North Carolina's defense continue what it put on tape against South Carolina. because I mean, they struggled mightily against App State last year. Drake May is legit. Um, it was like Gene Chizik completely throughout the playbook from last year. <clears throat> totally different style of defense, far more attacking, uh, much better results, obviously. All right, I got one more for you. SMU's at Oklahoma. This could be a legit awesome football game, in my opinion. Any thoughts? I mean, I think SMU has a chance to compete for the AAC title. Uh, they uh, Their passing game should be as good as anyone in that conference. Um, I, I think Oklahoma probably wins. But I think SMU has the ability to make Oklahoma sweat in a way that Arkansas State did not. You know, when I when I see this matchup listed, all I can think about is that uh, it's college basketball because in a couple of years we might get an ACC SEC showdown between SMU and Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing says ACC SEC like SMU Oklahoma. Oh, real. Thank you. I couldn't have said that. Should be a that should be a bumper sticker. Mm -hmm. realignment is terrible guys week one was phenomenal week two undoubtedly will be even better i'm looking forward to watching every game hope you guys are doing great thank you guys for joining us in the football scoop podcast and we're out